Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. And now, Hangar 56 Media presents Spike's Car Radio, a downloadable cars and coffee, hosted by writer, comedian, and automotive enthusiast Spike Ferriston. Now, here's Spike. Spike's Car Radio, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Here, Hangar 9, affectionately known as the Porn Hangar. Because uh, films were shot here back in the day. None of us knew what was going on. I'm glad they don't do that anymore. Jerry Seinfeld is here. Paul Zuckerman is here. Spike Ferriston is here. We are Earth, (laughs) Wind. Wait. And fire? (laughs) I forget who's who. (laughs) This is exciting to have you back, Jerry, this much, this long. And I'm guessing we're going to have a lot more of you, right? Yeah, because uh, we're out in California now uh, making our movie. Yeah. Which, you know, but but I was advised by uh, our uh, silent... uh, We have have some powerful people that we kind of keep... What's the word? Sequestered? What, in what, hiding? What do you have? You have, like, you have it, I'm sure in the law profession you have advisors that... Consigliaries. We have... Yes, yes. That's the word. We have consigliaries who, as I has advised me, this project you guys have is so great, the less you talk about it, the better. <laughs> so right. And I think that's... A, I like that. Because it's such a... We're so sick of this hoard out, look at me, listen to me culture. Let's do the opposite. Let's say nothing. And some uh, someday they'll just open up Netflix and it will be there. And it will be there. And, and you feel go, that's what those guys were working on. <laughs> that's what they were up to. That's yeah. what those Wright brothers were doing on the sand dunes. In Hangar 9 on a Saturday night with cigars, Chick-fil-A, and is that Whole Foods organic peanut butter and crackers, Jerry? Yeah. Z, did you know that it was uh, Orville Wright who came up with the... Um, Checklist. Uh, the checklist. Is that what it's called? Yes, right? Yeah, because there were so many things to remember before you take off on a plane. You know, why don't I make a list? Then I'll go down my list each time. Wow. Here Life we go. has become more complicated. That's called takeaway in a, in a project like this. The audience now will take away that fact and feel like they're actually learning, not We <laughs> can give them facts. We can say <laughs> The wheel was invented 3,500 years ago in current-day Poland. They well, didn't do much with the wheel then for the next 3,400 years. I, uh, well, let's talk about something we can talk about then. How about, Jerry? Are you all right? <laughs> Jerry's got a little case of Ajita. We're hoping it's just Ajita. <laughs> let's talk <laughs> about... serious. <clears throat> what do they get? Spilkus. Spilkus. <laughs> Let's talk about uh, the Seinfeld series on Netflix. Okay. Which we can't talk about. I, I, wa- I just watched uh, the trailer for it, and I thought it was so good. It uh, was. Did you see the newest trailer? I, I was involved with it in, in uh, it's, assembling that. It's, yes. all, it's, it's telling the story of the series as if it's a brand new sitcom right. starting. And the, and the first scene is Jerry 
and Kramer meeting for the first time, which I had never seen before. Where you're eating pizza and you say, hey, why don't you stay and have some? I don't remember whose idea it was. It was a flashback scene. Why don't we do when Jerry and Kramer first met? And I thought, well, that's kind of weird, but uh, it was, I'm so glad we did it. It was a flashback scene within an episode later on in the yes, series. Yes, Right. And, and now it's being used in this promo, and you can find it on Netflix, or uh, I watched it on YouTube, too. It's, it's like you guys are meeting for the very first time, and, and this whole trailer kind of leaves you a little emotional. Did you intend that to happen? Like, um, you have this emotional feeling for these four characters. Really? Something that I've never had for these four characters. You know, I completely reject all this crap about they were mean or they weren't nice people you idiots out there when you do comedy the characters must have a strong self-interest i was saying this to william shakespeare the other day we were, <laughs> we were talking about midsummer night's dreams i go these people are so selfish running around only interested in their own personal desires yes he said to me that's comedy <laughs> and that's where i learned it from William Shakespeare. From William Shakespeare. William There's Shakespeare. no comedy without characters obsessed with self-interest. <clears throat> That's the essence of co comedy. As I, uh, I watched it, you know where I watched it? Uh, in Brentwood at a red light, waiting for the light to change in my uh, Model Y. <laughs> and I saw shot after shot that I had not seen in the series. Wow. Now, I don't, you probably don't know this about me, but I didn't see a lot of Seinfeld before I was hired. Wow. Because, there, uh, you know, it's the VCR days. Right. I didn't have a VCR, and I worked till 10 o'clock every Thursday night. Friday was a hard day for us on Letterman. Uh -huh. And I just never saw a lot. And, and to get hired on your show, I remember buying a little paperback book of your act. You had a, a paperback book of Sign your, language. Sign language. And I said, I'll just read this and get his rhythms and get his jokes and pick up the show when I can, when I can get home at 9 o'clock on a Thursday night. So, you know... It's just a long way of saying, I don't think I, I saw the first four seasons of the show. Right. And in this trailer, there were so many funny moments that I couldn't tell, you know, is this just stuff that I didn't see or is the premise here, which I think is really smart, let's take the moments that haven't been celebrated over the last few decades. Yes, yes. It, yeah, tell me more about that. Because it shows. It's, it's a really brave, funny, interesting, smart choice. Because it could not work. These moments might not have been celebrated over the years because they might not be the best moments. Do you hear what I'm saying? That was the danger of the trailer. Well, when you have something like this that's been around so long and seen so much and so many moments have been pulled out and kind of hammered to death, obviously, I said, we have to find stuff that feels unseen. Some, they called it deep tracks. That's what they call oh, it. Oh, yeah, there deep, it is. Let's find the deep tracks. So what did you do? Did you have them pull it for you? Or? Yeah, they pulled it, and I, I would go through and say this one, not that one. So you would sit in the edit room? and No, no, we just did it. They would just send me cuts, and I would give them notes. and They did it. They deserved all the credit. It's really smart. Is I mean, any of this, do you remember all of these scenes? Do you none of them. Almost none of them. Do you remember what happened to you in high school? No, of course It was 23 not. years yeah. ago. No, you don't, I don't remember much of it at all. And I don't even remember, I'm not really good at that anyway, who wrote what? <laughs> that's wrote an, it all. That's an opportunity <laughs> for some writers. They say they wrote it. Yeah. I yeah, wrote that. Go ahead. Say, say go ahead. Doesn't matter. 
they'll, they'll find out who wrote it when, when they see your writing. When <laughs> I would read a new little story of the history of Seinfeld in an article, and then I would call Jerry up, and I go, did that really happen that way? And he goes, oh, for this one. <laughs> for that one. And then next time I get interviewed, it'll be a different story. But, yeah, that's the way it happened that time for this article. Well, Spike, you can, you can uh, I, I don't know if this is a car audience, but you can tell them uh, the kind of work that Larry and I would do on these scripts. Right, yes. Intensive, intensive uh, writing. Very much so. Yeah. It's very, very much how you take care of your cars. You're, you're yeah. a perfectionist, and it had to be perfect, Obsessive. and it didn't matter how late we stayed there. I don't there. consider it perfectionist. I consider it finished. Yes. Finish the job. The turn signal is, is light is not flashing on the dashboard. This car is not done. And the script is the same way. Yeah. There are a lot of Seinfeld fans that do listen to this podcast. So it's not, well, just, nice. it's not just the car folks. And we will get into car stuff. But I, I don't know. I, I just had a lot of questions about this series relaunching because it's on track. It's so interesting to me. When I first read Netflix had bought it, I thought, well, how are they going to enliven this series that has been sold in syndication quite a few times? It's responsible for many of the things we're looking at right now in this hangar. But just creatively, how do they resell it to an audience? And it, I was I, talking to Marshall McLuhan about this just the other day. <laughs> he was saying to me, Jerry, you know, the medium is the message. I said, what does that mean exactly? I've heard it so many times, the medium is the message. What that means is, to a kid today, the way you see something is as important as the content itself. Oh, this is art theory. This is, this is art criticism and critique. It's the interaction of the audience with the piece is as important. How they're experiencing yeah, it. Yeah, how they experience it. So this thing is going to be on Netflix. So people, it's been on your local TV station and it's been wherever, it's been on DVD. But now I'm going to watch it on this platform and that's a new experience. It's like the roads we travel on. You know, I love when we analyze what makes a great drive. I'll still stand by my, uh, the day, the car, the road and your mood. Same car, right? How many times you take one of your cars out and get back to the hangar and you, you just want to say, just... Just sell it. Just light it on fire. I'm, I'm never going to drive this again. I didn't like it. Because it wasn't the right road or the right day or didn't fit the mood you were in. And it's the same thing with, um, you know, this type of content. And um, It really looks, you know, and then, it, then I was like, does this thing look cleaner? Like, did they do anything I to the they color? Did something did they, to it, yeah. Did they sharpen everything? And they cleaned it up. Yeah, they do. You stuff. can see it. Really? Yeah, you could, I could see. I mean, at least on my phone, I went, this looks cleaner than it did when it first aired. Did they? So what, what did they do? Do you know? No, I don't know. Whatever they call it, remastering. <laughs> it's the stuff. Weird well, they uh, uh, up it somehow to like a 4K, but it, it's pretty neat. Oh, well, I, I guess the 4K is what's different. Right, but we didn't shoot it in 4K, but yeah, you know, I don't know what that is. I don't know what it is. Yeah, but it does look better. Right. Boy, these guys, they know what they're doing, this Netflix, Jerry. They, I, I never worked with a, a people like this, the Netflix people. They are, they, they have this, you know what Netflix is, Paul? It's like, it's like a mile run. And these guys realize, we got about a half a lap on the field here. But we better pour it on if we're going to stay in front because they're doing nothing but reeling us in or trying to. And that's how they, but that, 
Aggressiveness, you know, in business is... Uh, they took it's their, innate. They took their shot. Who would have thunk? I remember the first time I saw somebody with a, a, a DVD in a little envelope. And I said, what, what in God's name is that? What are you people doing? Somebody said, this is Netflix. They send you, they send you something in the mail. You watch a DVD and then you send it back. And how did it become this? It's something else, really. Because it, you don't have to be, looking back, of course, it seems so obvious. Well, the Internet. Well, what's the Internet? The Internet is a network of communication that's global. Global. So you could have a network of entertainment and beam it out to the whole world? Theoretically, yeah, you could. And they got to work on it right away, ahead of everybody. Autumn is in the air, the pumpkins are in the patch, and our friends at Manscaped. Boy, there's lots of news. Let me relate this to Seinfeld, Jerry. Uh, uh, an episode that I believe I wrote where you had shaved your chest for the first time. Really? Was that yours? Yes. And it was uh, it was pre-Manscaped, but it was about me and my friends going, are we supposed to do this? Do we not? It was one of those great things, like the wallets, these things, these little etiquettes and male etiquettes that nobody was talking about. And right. I pitched it to you. And I just said, let's have the conversation. Is it allowed? And now look, there's a company, Manscaped. Wow. I dare say we are the founders of Manscaped. And I remember how we, the premise was I was shaving down my neck and got carried away. Yes. That was, that you was got a, carried away yeah. and then you shaved. Guess who that happened to? <laughs> You're you? talking to him. Right. <laughs> I have a time shaved my eyebrows off. Once famously before a Today Show appearance. <laughs> <laughs> I just went... <laughs> ah! Ah! Well, you were using a razor for your eyebrows? You were trying to get the middle thing? I was trying to get the unibrow right and... My uh, four-year-old at the time came in and grabbed me, and I went, what? <laughs> like that. It was a fast vert. Do you know what this muscle is called here, Paul? Between I have no idea. The globula. What a great word. Yeah. <laughs> Let me finish this ad. Anyways, J Manscaped, thank you for giving Jerry the 4-0. Do you have it, I right? do. I have you the have it. He's very excited about it. Um, and for the aforementioned reasons, um, you guys can have it too. It's time to bundle up with Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. Inside this package, you're going to find the Lawnmower 4.0 that all three of us, you have one too, right? I have one, yes. Have you used it yet, Zuckerman? No. No? <laughs> the I weed like whacker. I have things in the drawer for a while before I use them. Right. Weed whacker, ear and nose trimmer. I need a second one. I use mine so much. And as you know, listeners, I use it on my dog's penis. Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a Travel Bag. You get all of it. First off, the new Performance Package 4 includes all of those things. And uh, you got to trim up because it's fall is what they're saying. Here's what you do. Go to manscaped.com. You're going to get 20% off free shipping with the code SPIKE20. SPIKE20. That code doesn't work. Send me a DM because uh, a few times that code has changed but try spike 20 you're gonna get 20 percent off free shipping uh at manscape.com and their slogan is make your balls a priority this fall choose manscape no seriously is that the slogan your balls will thank you make a, your balls a priority tm trademark trademarked so don't try and take it because <laughs> we got I wanted it that. i wanted that but they it is funny it's like you think about the episode of Seinfeld, that's the beginning of that conversation, and that, then it turns into a million, multi-million dollar and probably. it's part of the social contract. We keep our stuff relatively Well, that's what was amazing about this show, Zuckerman, is you could take in these grudges. Before we started, we were discussing some grudges that would probably end up an episode. Just this morning, we were talking about uh, the captain's hat. 
with respect to uh, the death. man to death. <laughs> Right? Don't right. you think that's an episode we would have done? That For sure, yeah. This theory that, that was started, I think, with the three of us as we were... No, it was yours. It was we, all but yours. We kept, I kept noticing old men walking around in various cities wearing captain's hats. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I think this is the stage before you die. And then, Jerry, what did you say? It was... It's a, a, the last lingering grasp of what it's like to be in control of something it's a, a captain is obviously in control of the ship so i'll i'll wear the hat right i'm the captain to remind myself that there was a time that people listened or cared about what i thought yes and 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 subconsciously the the dying man puts it on to prepare himself for the voyage into the right, great for the voyage. final voyage across the river and then, and then i realized my dad before he died had a captain's hat one month before he died wow he grew, and then he grew a death beard. That's that's about a week before you die. That's, I'm they not... should have it at the at the concession stand at the hospice. <laughs> captain's hats. You walk in to visit your your almost departed, and you bring him a captain's. I hat. have something comforting. Say, bon voyage. <laughs> comforting for your journey. <laughs> My mom works at hospice. Anchors should away. I, should, <laughs> should I suggest this to her? Just go down to the uh, concession shop there and grab yourself a captain's hat and lay down and everything's going to be fine. Nobody <laughs> needs to say anything else. No goodbyes, just the captain's Andy hat. Andy Robin also uh, noticed. Uh, Andy uh, was a writer on Seinfeld. And he and I were working on some project with a director who uh, died a month after uh, we and delivered the show. <laughs> and you left. <laughs> no, but... He was very grumpy on the set, and Andy, who later became a doctor, is a doctor now in the Navy. He uh, he said this is uh, he really believes it was a clinical diagnosis of death grumpiness that the body somehow knew it was dying, and the brain didn't know it was dying, and it creates a grumpy situation <laughs> for the guy. Zuckerman, what would you like your last words to be, or last mood? What what kind of mood would you like to be in right before you go? Happy, cranky. Well, I, I think I have to tell someone to fuck off right before <laughs> I go. There's got to be somebody that I want just my parting words to leave them with misery you know and no recourse. Go fuck yourself. Just go and, fuck and, yourself. And, and, I'm dying. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> just leave. That's think what you about want? It. Yes, because you, it's the, you finally win an argument conclusively. You have the last word. You die. Yes, literally the last, last word. word. Yeah. yeah. You don't want your family holding your hand around oh, come the bed? On. A kumbaya moment. I okay. I, I went. What to, can I be there? I would like to be there. I'd like to be there. Look, <laughs> he came in alone. He wants to go out alone. You die in your own arms. Now is a good time, Zuckerman, to tell us in case you go first. We'll we'll show up if you want me, us to get the family out of there. I don't want any. You know, I don't want anything. Just put me, make me ashes, and 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 leave me on a shelf somewhere. There's you don't no want me to deal. lean in real close and go. You suck, Zuckerman. <laughs> Whisper that into your ear in front of your family. You're That's a horrible man. But we, yes, there should be a laugh, and there should be one final insult, one final act of derision to somebody who probably doesn't deserve it. But, but the doctor, and oh, then you want to so be look at some doctor. You are. Look at me. You want to be yeah. burned up, huh? Yeah, I don't want to take Torch up space. It. What Bernie about you? What, what's your plan? Bernie, Bernie Brillstein left instructions. He wanted Sinatra on, and he wanted to be sipping grappa. As okay. he was going. Well, that's kind of elegant. Did he make it? I yeah, he got it. He, they wow. Did it. Yeah. Wow. What about you? What's your plan? I haven't really thought about it. Come on. I, 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 uh, 
You love your. You would want that family around you, wrapped around you. I know you. Uh, it depends on how I'm going. If it's a long, slow, depressing one, I think let's. Why don't we say goodbye now? And then I'll 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 handle this. It's like it's like doing a gig. I'll pack the bag. I want to let me go do the gig by myself. Right. I don't want. I don't, you don't need, need anybody. anybody. Like if you're throwing up in the toilet, you don't need help. You don't need your family there. No, let no. you do it by yourself. And as far as I'm concerned, really, this is something. <laughs> I, I, a little mystery. I think you know Orson Welles had it right with Citizen Kane. It shouldn't be all nicely tied up with everyone saying goodbye. There well, should be a lot of unresolved issues you know, it's, to it's, torment future generations. It's a timing thing, too. Every, you read that in the obituary surrounded by his family, but everybody says their last thing to the person. They hold the hands, but then it could be another three days. It can get awkward, that moment, when, it, when you don't die at the right moment after. You hear what I'm saying? Yeah. They don't really make much of whatever you did for your family in the obituary. They talk about he invented the Dixie Cup dispenser and made all this money and how he solved the Dixie Cup so only one would come out each time you pulled it. And by the way, he's got a wife and a kid. And he may have been a fabulous father and husband, may have been the most difficult thing that he did in his life Yes, was, was doing that. And it's, a, it's, a, it's always an afterthought in the obit. Because there's a formula for obituary writing, and I think perhaps you should sketch out a new way of doing it. Yes. There when should be when his son was 17, he was arrested for a DUI, right. and this man rescued him. And, yes, I straightened and, his insane I straightened ass, his ass out. Ass out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and my wife, oh, don't get me started. Yeah. What this man did for her. Yeah. She had nothing until I picked her up off the street and <laughs> She's lucky turned I her into a human being. <laughs> <laughs> that would be, that really would be. We do the this, new rules we, of obituaries. We do Dear Zuckerman, which is uh, taking Dear Abby letters and Zuckerman answers them. But and, <laughs> but really, the other thing Zuckerman does is he sends me old uh, white guy obituaries all the time. Right. The Swiggins and Peabody's rich guy, the Newport guys, you know, <laughs> Simpson Thompson, who, he was the born. cracker magnate. And, you know, and, and we just laugh about the pictures and their names and Muffy and all the funny names. But. But you guys are hitting on a very, very good point. A more honest, and really comedians kind of do this now anyways, when they're memorializing one of their own that's died, right? They all get up and they tell, and they're funny. Yeah. This would be really, that's where obituaries need to go. Here's, I, I think you're onto something here, and I think where it needs to go is, can we ask the person what they thought was the thing that they did that was important? Mm. Mm. What did you think? Instead of having some person who doesn't even know you, Try and formulize it. Yeah, do your uh, I would love curriculum to see your five high points and your five low points. Give us the real, honest, humiliating moments of your life and what <laughs> the takeaway take was. The five was. low points the would be great. The five low points. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Have yeah. you ever really fallen flat on your face? This is what <laughs> I want. Sometimes when I do a job interview, I'll ask one of these young lawyers, tell me about your most embarrassing moment. I want to see how they handle an unexpected question, and I want to see if they have any real insight into the human condition. I think you have a tremendous talent for personnel evaluation. I'm sure you know that. Sure, based on the story we just told (laughs) earlier that the audience isn't aware of. (laughs) That's just normal business, Suckerman. We all deal with those issues. There's no perfect, but... Hey, let's talk that's, about... That's a good question to ask a person. Uh, we, have, uh, we have a lot of show to get to. That was just a little warm-up for you guys. How about that? Um, 
We got questions. Uh, we've got uh, a little guest at the end. Our friend Vivian Topaz, who's a no, six- Vivian Topaz. She's sixteen. <laughs> Let's bring her out. <laughs> she's <laughs> sixteen years old oh. and a Miata builder, and she's on Jay Leno's garage tonight. And she comes to our uh, secret car show in Malibu at the Country Mart, and. Uh, I, I had time. I asked her a few questions, um, and we'll get to her in a minute. Let's do another ad um, while we're here. Collectingcars.com. Then we're going to do Car Talk, Jerry. I want you to think about our drive the other day, and we'll talk about those two cars okay. in a minute. But uh, Collectingcars.com has the Haseldin collection of cars mm. up right now. Haseldin. No. 17 cars <laughs> live from one seller no, in the, the UK. Seldons. A range of iconic vehicles, all low mileage, well-preserved examples, showcase evident quality and originality. How many carpet stores did Mr. Seldon have? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the platform's fifth prominent collection sale of the year is on collectingcars.com right now. Uh, 911s, including uh, incredible low mileage 993 Turbo, 997 Sport Classic, 991.2 Turbo S Exclusive Edition, 991 Speedster. And the prize of the collection is a Singer 911 Targa. No. He's got one decent car in there. It's the Speedster. The rest is garbage. Also, <laughs> so scary. Also, so to Mr. Dying come Sheldon. On. You can't say that. Sheldon is on his way out, and this is the, your epitaph. <laughs> Sheldon with his captain's hat auction. Oh, listen to this. He's, he's also got a Defender 90 V8 70th Anniversary Original Spectre Edition. Uh, Defender. Oh, my God. What That's, year? Uh, that's got to be the Defender 90 V8 70th anniversary. I don't know. What would that be? 70th well, anniversary I have a Defender. 60th anniversary, and I think it's like a 98. 98. Right. Yeah, this is a British car. Remember, they could keep selling them there. Other cars include two Lancia Delta Integrales. Integrale. Uh, Integrales. Aventador Miura Those edition, are great. Renault 5 Turbo 2. And more. Get bidding. Go to collectingcars.com, collectingcars.com, sign up for their uh, email. They have a daily email, and then you won't have to bother us uh, for what cars to buy. Shave your balls and log on. (laughs) (laughs) We've got good sponsors this week, Collecting Cars, Manscaped, and Policy Genius, which means I'll need a real insurance story from you in a minute. Uh, We drove cars yesterday, Jerry. Two days ago, was it? No, it was yesterday. It was yesterday. And... uh, they were two wonderful cars. It was a 68911 TR. Right. And, and the Grant Larson 67S. Right. That has a 2.7 liter motor in it. Right. And that your guys had gone through. Yes. And we drove those cars together. Yes. And before we drove, you said, uh, I want to drive these. Then we're going to switch. We're going to drive them back. And then I want you to tell me which one to sell. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? We we drove both cars, and I remember talking to... I remember being in, in Vermont at my in-laws one, like 20 years ago, talking to this guy, and I was just getting into... I had a few cars at that time, and the guy says, are you into short wheelbase 911s? I go, no, I like the long wheelbase, 69, 70. He goes, you'll, you'll see, you'll get into it. And he was right. The short wheelbase 911 has a liveliness... And a personality that is very special, very unique. And both of these cars, well, a TR, a 68 TR, which was one of those um, uh, racing versions that raced in a Group 3 class. And uh, they were um, fast, light, you know, really the forerunner of the RS. 
better than the R. I had a 911R. Um, that was a weird car. It was all fiberglass. It just didn't feel like a real car to me. It felt like... It was the most beautiful looking thing that was difficult to drive. It was yeah. a lot of real money, too. <clears throat> yeah. I, I sold it for 800 grand. Now they're worth millions. That was the, and that was the car. Hold I on. bought it from Jeff Swart. But wasn't that the car originally Bert Olander sold? Oh, lent to Steve McQueen lent, for a day. Yes. And Steve said, take this thing away from me. It's, I'm just going to get more tickets. Yeah. He picked it up on a Friday and he dropped it back off on a Monday. Yeah. yeah. And there was a picture of him with the car mm, that really? I had. Did that mm. get sold with the car? I don't know what happened to that picture. Wow. That's He amazing. was making the reverse. Yeah. In the late 60s. <clears throat> but why... When we started the drive, why did you want to sell one of those cars? They are both... Because we know how it ends. Because it's just a fun thing to talk about. <laughs> I both. just thought we would be able to pick a clear winner is what I thought. I thought for sure the Grant Larson 67S would go after that drive. Well, when- that car is a driver. <laughs> it's, not, it's got an original interior, but the body panels have been replaced. The engine's been replaced. It's been... The clock is, it's got hundreds of thousands of miles, but that's why it's the brilliant 911, because it's still a great car. That's well, it's being used and abused for so many years. When we got onto the 10 and I opened it up and I felt that extra power, I was like, oh my God, this thing is amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. And it's balanced and you get, your guys did it right. It has the lightest clutch mm-hmm. and it had light mm-hmm. steering. Mm-hmm. The clutch, depressing the clutch felt like it was about an inch and a half, which was odd, but we hit about uh, halfway to Bills, there was a complete stop, right? You know, which is a nightmare situation when it's summertime and it's hot and you're in a 911. I didn't mind being in traffic in that car. And that was the right. first old thing like that that I had driven where I was like, this is not, not terrible in this stop and go. Long stop and go for 45 minutes. If you want to understand um, the Porsche mystique or the Porsche philosophy... The two cars you must drive, the three cars you must drive are an early 911, yep. a 356C, yep. and a Volkswagen Beetle. Yes. Those mm. three cars encompass <clears throat> the way they thought a car should feel and work. Right. The true DNA of the company. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of other distracting things out there that people say and they go after. And they, but those are the cars, the 356C particularly. Because that was an 18-year process of refining one thing to a level beyond. Most cars never get to that point because they're replaced after a few years. Even in the old days, nothing would last more than seven, eight years before a total clean sheet of paper. But they just kept on and kept on and kept on, maybe because it was too expensive to develop a whole new model. But uh, I, I think 356Cs are really the essence of the Porsche company. If you want to feel, what are these guys about? If that's the question you want answered, drive that car. What about, you know, you just let me drive this 62 Beetle. Yeah, I have a 62 VW Beetle here that I just bought. 22,000 original miles in Turkish, which is uh, kind of a turquoise green. Beautiful. uh, It's an incredibly beautiful car. I told you when I was pulling out of the... The airport, I saw you going across the other side, and it just glowed in that this beautiful bluish-green color. But I, I still can't get over how solid this car feels compared to my Mexican 79. Right. Night and day difference. 
And, you know, people are always asking us what to buy. You know, the Porsche market's so inflated. In a second, I I want one of those now. Right. I would buy that car right now or something like it because it just delivers everything that I love about vintage cars. Right? It's old. It's beautiful. The shape of the mirror, the rearview mirror is oval. Everything about it. It was such a joy taking it on that little spin. But the utter usability, the you know, if you appreciate, you know, like a Swiss Army knife, just a simple little thing done right. This is what I feel is, is lacking in the world. A simple little thing done right. Everybody is so over the top. Ugh. I'm sick of the crackers that are going to change the world and all these stupid new underwear companies. The crackers that are, are going to change the world. Every stupid cracker has a thing on the box of... <laughs> The mission Would, statement. I don't need a goddamn mission statement for a You're cracker. You're ranting about crackers. Yeah. yeah, but always he's right because now everything takes seven extra steps. Right. I just want something to be immediate. I don't want to have to go through seven steps like on the phone or the computer to get it to work. So t- 10% of uh, the, the money made from these crackers go to pandas. Yeah, oh, yeah all that right. stuff you're talking oh, yeah. about. What a con yeah. job. Yeah. What a con job. The koalas are really getting the money. All that time they spend writing copy and designing the box. And it, it's just annoying that, that everybody thinks they're doing something so special. Spikes Cracker Radio. We'll be right back. That's, um, the, that's the problem. People have to realize is that they're not the special. Yeah, but Jerry's is right. This really is one the of the problems that everybody thinks that they are special and they're doing something special that they have. the job has to be fulfilling. We're just a bunch of old men ranting after Chick-fil-A right now. Soul Cycle. I never did a Soul Cycle. I'm sure it's terrific. I know you do it. Used to. How about that fucking name? What the fuck? Soul Cycle. Let it out, Jerry. Soul. Your soul's not involved here pedaling a bike. And a hot, sweaty room. That fuck. Oh, my God. (laughs) This is terrific. Go, go. Souls. There's no involvement or benefit to your soul. So you're fat. So what? <laughs> Everybody's fat. <laughs> We're all fat. Shut your gob. Stop putting food in Go your Go to Fat Cycle. <laughs> Here's a company. Fat Cycle. Let's be honest. It's for us. <laughs> we can all go there and relax. <laughs> I'm writing jokes for Jerry. I... <laughs> I hated everything about Soul Cycle before I knew what it was, and I get taken there, and you're like three songs in, and suddenly you start feeling emotional and teary-eyed, and the lights are dark, and you're, you know, somehow they took that, that you know, when you're in the middle ten minutes of some intense exercise, you mm-hmm. get that. What sure. It, what the, is that buzz? That the endorphins. Yeah, endorphins. You get that. They were able to take that moment with a candle, darkness, and a couple whispered words, and they get you into a different place, and that's the soul of no, Soul Cycle. I disagree. Okay, You've never I'll, been. You I've never, been plenty oh, of times. Let me tell you something. When you go in there, we, I understand s- when you get in the room, you can feel that, but when you first have to get there, the, the other class is getting out, and everybody's got their red, sweaty face, and you have to, you <laughs> oh, have to get past them in their sweaty bodies. Zuckerman, there <laughs> is, there's no more Soul Cycle since the pandemic. Yes. It's over. It's done. Good. But yes, it's a crowded, dirty, uh, sweaty experience that you do end up loving, and it's go- it's fine, it's great. I, I'm sure I, you know, I, I believe in exercise. It's just that extra twenty percent of of cell bullshit. on top. You have bullshit, bullshit on top. 
Some <laughs> affirmation by some yes, loser right. who can only teach this class. Yeah. Wow. Oh, oh, she's a real star at Soul Cycle. Everybody <laughs> lines up for her classes. They sell out. She says something really cool at the end. Well, Gina, you know I love you. She's my favorite instructor over there. And we're, we're just joking. Let's do some uh, questions and, uh, from <clears throat> your IG. Let's do. Uh, let's get this last ad uh, out of the way, and then we'll do questions. How about? Shave your balls, bid on cars, and it's time for real insurance stories from Zuckerman, sponsored by Policy Genius, the place to get your insurance. Zuckerman, do you have a real insurance story well, from I your do. place you of know, work? I'm going to tell you. Probably, I was in practice in my own office for six months, and I got a big case. Me and my partner Carpenter. And this big case required us to go meet some lawyers in San Francisco. Wow. I'd never traveled on a plane for business before. Wow. This was a big deal. You know, I got my shoe shine. I went down to Samovar luggage. I got a new briefcase with my three. <laughs> Samovar? Yeah, with my three initials. I must have looked like a clown, but I was ready for, for business, ready for action to fly up to San Francisco with Carpenter. And we go to this office and we have these meetings and we, and we make, you know, some plans and some strategy about what we're going to do with this case. It had to do with... Um, Adwala. Adwala at that time had oh, some the juice, the juice that. that had E. coli yeah. that got kids sick. But then, you know, the, these, you know, these two young putsy lawyers, we finish in San Francisco and I, we have time for our flight. So we have a little meal. And then what are we going to do? We're walking around. There's a massage parlor over there. I My just pa- had a feeling it was going to go in this direction. Yes, of course. Of course, you know me. This is an so, insurance story. Yeah, I'm telling you so. <laughs> but this is part of my world. So. My partner says, hey, should we get a massage? I go, why not? We got two hours to kill. So we go into a massage parlor. I'd never been to one. It wasn't all that pleasant. It wasn't great. It wasn't terrible. I'm not getting into the happy ending part. There was none of that, okay? But I got a massage. I realized I don't ever need to go back to a massage parlor, right? This isn't my thing. I don't like the smell of it. I think about how many people have been in there, what's going on. But anyway, I'm dressed and I'm waiting downstairs for my partner to come. And he comes and he's walking so oddly. He looks disheveled. I can't, I said, Carpenter, what's the matter? And he goes, I think I made a mistake. I go, what do you mean? He goes, well, she asked if I wanted talc or oil, and I didn't know the answer, so I said both. <laughs> and he was like, breaded like a piece of fried chicken. And, and, and so we had to go to the airport. This businessman, I couldn't stop laughing. He had breading coming out of his sleeves and his trouser legs, and we had to fly back to Burbank. Um, and and get home and take a shower. So that's that's you know the early days of my mm. law career. There you go. That means if you have a, a massage parlor, <laughs> don't <laughs> you're going to need to cover your ass. You need policy genius in addition to massage. If you've been parlor, breaded and fried. <laughs> <laughs> in addition to massage insurance, they have home and auto. Uh, they can save you a lot if you bundle them together. They've saved their customers an average of one thousand two hundred fifty dollars per year over what they're paying for home. And audio, uh, auto insurance, they save new customers an average of $435 per year on auto, uh, new customers an average of $350 per year on home. It's unbelievable. PolicyGenius.com. Go there now. Answer the questions. Uh, as I've said many times before, I've done it. It's impressive. You'll get a bunch of insurers from Progressive to Allstate. The lowest quotes will be right there. And then you just click them and you get it. 
And uh, don't forget, Policy Genius. Uh, one of our longest sponsors, the Policy Genius folks. And you know what I heard? They're, they love this segment, by the way. They, they absolutely love it. By the way, this is another example. Policy genius. How about policy experts? You're not a fucking genius. <laughs> if you were a genius, you wouldn't be in the insurance business. That's right. <laughs> insurance is all about not being a genius. <laughs> There's no... Look, you're no genius. You better get insured. <laughs> Head to Policy Genius right now. When they fill out the survey of how they heard, they, people have been leaving one-word answers. Zuckerman. <laughs> and the head, of, the head of the company went to the, my friend who works at Policy Genius, Sam, who's been listening to the show, and that's how they found their way here, and said, uh, who is Zuckerman? And he went, what? <laughs> he goes, a lot, of, a lot of people sign up for sure. Just keep putting the word Zuckerman. What is that? <laughs> we got another Bluetooth situation brewing, Zuckerman. You just got to be careful. All right, we have questions. Wow, your car is everywhere on here, Zuckerman. The red car? Yeah. I just saw a dozen pictures of it. You can't <clears> appreciate <throat> that car without those details, though, that you... Yeah. If you made a whole Instagram with every day, you should show another one of those little details. Is Jerry into bikes? I would guess they mean motorcycles. I was from Matt. I was for Hart. a long time, and uh, but then when I started comedy, or somewhere in the middle of comedy, I realized I had with no foot. This is going to be tough to do. So. <laughs> <laughs> is that the most common thing you lose, Zuckerman, when you get in a motorcycle accident? When uh, your foot's, just, foot's something that's going to go. Yeah. yeah, feet go. Um, Sunroof Delete, one of our favorite shooters for Instagram. Do prototype cars have a special place in your collection, Jerry? Of course. The word prototype itself oh. is one of those words that has a, has a sparkle and a glisten. Holy grail world. Yeah, word. holy grail you should, go, you, you should say prototype, ding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, factory race car. Oh, yeah. On the factory team. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Those are the best. Uh, Quantum Ocean Lawyer, your former employee, and maybe your new employee again, Zuckerman. Uh, he says everyone knows Jerry is responsible for the 9-11-R. What would the signing trio have Mr. Lauderbach focus on next? What does he mean by that? But maybe are you responsible for the 9-11-R? Uh, I don't think so. I, 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 would, I did ask one time... Uh, that I wanted to build a special 9-11, a tribute to the R. Years before they did the R. At Pebble. We, yes. I thought we were together. No, talk- I think it was Amelia. I remember taking, we were talking to Grant Larson and uh, Tony Hatter. Right. And they said, it, they said, what would you guys want us to build? Yeah. And we were just having a casual conversation. Yes. Was that the conversation you're thinking about? Could have been. I don't know. But, and but who the- knows if that is how it matriculated. Right. But yeah. I don't know. Right. I mean, of course, they were already thinking about 9-11 R's. They made the first one, but... No, I don't think they Are were you responsible should... for any options that we know these days? Like the Am seat, I? This colored seatbelts and things like that? Do you know? I think... I, 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 Come on, no take way some to credit. Know. Take what? some credit. Let's hear what I you think. I think the saturated color trend, which you used to tease me about in our old days... Yes. Uh... I was always looking for those colors and ordering special colors, very saturated blues and oranges, and and then they now they're very popular. You uh, had that turquoise nine nine three turbo S, right? And 
it was a shocking car. I remember yeah. when it entered your collection. Mm-hmm. I could not believe you ordered that color. Mm-hmm. I watched you whip around a corner on the way to Seinfeld once so to the offices and almost kill yourself. In right. It. And then you said, I'm getting rid of this. Do you want to buy it? And I said, I don't know. And he, you sent it over to my house and I drove it for really? a couple of days. And, uh, and Erica liked it. She was like, this is beautiful. And I s- stupidly said, I, I could never own anything this color. I was so I was so early in my Porsche color appreciation. I was still in the silver, Silver, black, black. blue stage of the collecting, and I couldn't wrap my head around that. Right. It's just to uh, color is mood. Color affects your mood. It it, uh, also stimulates your brain receptors in different ways, different colors. I have this seventy three E now in that. And this light yellow is the name of it. And I, and I brought it over to look at it today just to look at it. That color, is, it's, a, it's a feeling. Do you have a color in your group of cars that gives you a, a really a lifts you up a little yes. bit? Yes, and it's your, it's your old RS. That, tan, uh, that tangerine is yes. such a happy color. Yeah. It's such a happy color. This, my sand beige car is a happy mellow color. The tangerine is a very happy, up, upbeat color. Right. It's also very, uh, it's a commitment color, which feels good. It's not trying to be so many colors today, uh, like, like Spike's green uh, Defender over there. It's gray, it's green. Well, it's what, a gray what, green, yeah. Yeah, what are you trying to be? Just p- pick a lane. <laughs> so do, how do you feel about that yellow 911E now? I, I love it, it. Really? I love it. Because the, when you first got it, I know it was a lot to take in yes, for you. It's a it tennis was. ball. Yeah. It's a tennis ball. No, I'm obsessed with it. Really? Yeah. I'm so happy to hear that. It's a part of my that. eye and, and retina that I've never uh, you know, used before. It's just, it gives you a, a jolt. Really? It's a yeah. glass of tang. Yeah. That's fantastic. Right, yeah. What do you think about the way it drives in I-11E? Um, you know, they say it's faster than the S to 100 miles an hour, that the S has more top end, but it's not as fast in the lower speeds but did you feel that i i haven't felt it yet no really no i, I feel the smoothness in my 911 the 73 the, the the brown one i do feel that smoothness at the s legs do you have a 73 s no i don't at this okay. time they're heavy i think they're heavy right yeah it's not my favorite we all, car. we all need to get as a 70 we need a 70 s ferris in me <coughs> yeah 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 let's look for a 70 you know what why lacking. don't we track down the con green one that he's done that's the car we need back let's yes. do that yes good um, idea here's a question we gotta we've got to address the morgan of it all okay and giuseppe <laughs> pume uh is asking oh, about yeah, morgan but books. what he really wants to know is what we all want to know the morgan episode a couple weeks back what happened? Did you buy the Morgan? Did you not buy the Morgan? I did not buy the Morgan. The 63. The 63 Super Sport. Beautiful car. Um, and what was the deciding factor? The deciding factor was the Triumph engine. Um, you know, Morgan has used different engines from different suppliers over the years to stay in business. It's one of the fun things about Morgan. They've used Fiat, Rover, BMW, Toyota. Ford. What? Toyota? No, no, they've never had a Toyota engine. So they're Ford, BMW, those late model ones. Yeah, those are early, actually. Well, I don't know if you, they the started. The 2015? Those is- are BMWs. Or Fords also. But the, it was just a little, you know, when, you, when you've had a lot of time in, with 356s that are so sophisticated and refined and smooth, I just, uh, that engine, I knew would stop me from driving it 
much. Is that a Coventry Climax engine? Is that what no, they call those? No, it's not. That's a Ford. That's a Ford early tuning mm. arm. He's talking AMG about AMG type thing. Blacksmith technology. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a word I that was used. I like the car. It was fun. It was I, really but just to clarify, you, you are and already own one Morgan. I do. I have a Morgan. I'm a Morgan guy. I will always be to the day and I die. And that is, again, a, 28 a 2018 50th anniversary plus eight. And that car is driving right now or is it getting uh, federalized? It's in the States. It's just being uh, smogified. And I'm going to have it in a couple of weeks. Wow. Okay. In a British racing green with black interior and a, and a BMW normally aspirated 4.3 liter V8. Rocket. Yeah. No turbo, no um, automatic transmission. A real car. Yeah. The real thing. <clears throat> Uh, what are you guys looking forward to in the next 12 months regarding cars? Anything new coming to collections? Anything you're looking for? This, it's an interesting question. We get these questions a lot, but, you know, how many... You've been doing this for so long, Jerry. Like, how many moments, going back to when you first started collecting, were, th were there years and pauses where you just felt like, all right, I'm good. I'm not really looking forward to anything. Cause I kind of That's when you're most vulnerable. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> such a great point. And that can happen yeah. at any, any at, moment. At any point. Right. It's always, it's like love. There, you're not, are, are, you, are, are, you, are you involved with anyone right now? Until she walks in the room, the answer is no. And then she walks in the room and everything's different. And you're different. It's so true. Right. Right? Yeah. You didn't know you needed it until you saw it. And that changes. Yeah, look at look at Aziz's new uh, 71 280 SL. That was, yeah, the 280 SL was not on my radar. No. It, was it just not came in out of nowhere. Came and that's the nowhere. right way to do it. If the car is right and it's there for you to uh, acquire, that's, that's the thing you do. Wow. Some of these questions. Hmm. You don't know. Oh, here. Uh, who's your favorite Muppets character, Jerry? Um, I never liked that comedian. He was pretty bad. What was he, Fozzie Bear? Fuzz. He was a horrible comedian. <laughs> you didn't like his, his stuff? No, I didn't. Yeah. I liked Animal, I think, the drummer. <laughs> he was really funny. What about you, know you Animal? Yeah, Animal was good. I liked the guy in the garbage pail. Yeah. Uh, he was, I could identify. Yeah. Grover. Yeah. He, he had a good song. Yeah. What's your, what, what do you think is the least special car in your collection? That's a good question. There is no unspecial car. Come on, there's got to be one. A, a quotidian car. What? There's got to yeah, there's got to be a quotidian. Yes, yeah, that was a nice word. Um, probably my '96 993 Targa is. Uh, I keep it for sentimental value. '96, but there's really nothing special about it. Right. Except that it's so special. It's it's kind of a it's a very weird 993. It was. It, yeah, yeah, it doesn't make sense. It's heavy. It's got the, the Polish silver roof. One. It's got. Yeah. yeah it, 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 I got Speedline wheels on it now, though. Beautiful with the Speedline. That's a cool car. Yeah. That's a real But driver. I've been driving the 993 C4S today, mm. and that's really been a lot of fun. You know, that is that has to be the most beautiful 993 out there. Well, thank you. It is, it is nice. I spec'd it with silver calipers, uh, carbon fiber steering wheel. And motor sound package. That's it. And Mexico Blue. Wow. So you spec that car 25 years ago? That's right. And I threw my back out uh, 
in an exercise session, I was so nervous that I had been given the responsibility of specking the last air-cooled 9-11. And it tore I asked, back. I asked... Yeah, you were really nervous about that. I was. Lots I, of I color asked research. Dr. Vendel and Vita King. I wrote him a letter. I said, I know the last air-cooled 9-11 is going into the museum. I would like the one that precedes it in the exact same specification. And he said, we would like to give you the last one. Wow. And Look that, at that. And how did yeah. you arrive at Mexico Blue? Uh, Don at Oral and Don's. I asked him, what's your favorite 9-11 no color? kidding. And he He's said Mexico Blue. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Does he know that? Probably not. He knows that now. Yeah. <laughs> well, he Rudy listens to the show. And Rudy. Whenever somebody's mentioned the show, someone taps him on the shoulder <laughs> and he goes, hey, they were talking to you, Soul Cycle owner. They were talking about your business. <laughs> How shitty Jerry it is. Seinfeld? <laughs> um. That's such a, Mexico blue That's is amazing. so beautiful on that car. Yeah. Don is such a great guy. I mean, great guy. It's Oral and Don's uh, Porsche North Hollywood. They were fixing our cars because they, they were close to the lot, right? CBS Radford lot. Yeah. That's how you found Very responsible for uh, getting me down the road of Porsche obsession. It was such a, and you could, we could cruise on over there at lunch yeah. and talk cars. Yeah. And boy, that place was so convenient yeah and they do great work too those of you that have uh, used oral and don's uh, over the over the years uh, drop a comment uh, <laughs> i don't think they're on instagram not the rude man no least. i mean the, the customers oh yeah the, one of their many customers because they they they, they do did solid great work. stuff yeah solid work they yeah. rebuilt the 73 i remember when i brought in that 73t the tennessee car crumb that that you didn't buy that i ended up buying that we wanted to do work to, but we didn't want to read. They did such great uh, choice work for the preservation. Right. Like resealing just things here and there and just making it perfect. And boy, that car, that car is just outrageously uh, so great to drive. I had no problems with it after that. Right. And it maintained all of that original patina. Yeah, that 73T car. is a great car. Mm. That's my favorite 73 car, by the way. Well, I guess not. The RS would be a close. Yeah close but as far as a driver um yeah greg sec wants to know is the hot dog a sandwich no really right. no a sandwich is two pieces of bread a hot dog is a hot dog <laughs> i think it technically qualifies the way that you could say a tomato is a fruit okay it's not is a, a hamburger a sandwich yeah is a hamburger? Well, that's, that's what McDonald's calls it a sandwich. But I, I think I'm their head is up their ass. It's stretching the definition. But. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Do you want to do any more of these? Yeah, I like these. Okay. Um, what is your favorite car reference or car-related scene from Seinfeld? Ben would like to know. Well, obviously, sticking the 70, Paul's earlier reference, Tangerine <laughs> 73 RS in... The, into the rye in the marble uh, the rye yes what? yeah <laughs> on uh, the paramount lot yeah in I the believe. middle of a snowy new york winter i'm sure is a tangerine 73 rs <laughs> parked on west did you know that Street. right yeah right at the end of the marble <laughs> yeah. rye when you're holding the rye yep it comes up only in los angeles do we have these funny little interrupt moments yeah unexpected um there were no other cars. There's a lot of... I remember uh, Andy and I and Greg took an Acura NSX, and that was Newman's car. Right. That uh, was a cool car moment. That was taking liberties, though. I mean, a mailman could not afford that car. It was, it was oh, a that's Saab true, moment yeah. or two, right? But the we, Saab, uh, uh, Brad Garrett as the Saab mm -hmm. uh, 
repair guy. It was great. I don't recall you being overly car choosy in those years. No. Yeah. Well, no, I picked the Saab. Yeah. I think I had a BMW at one point, and then I went to the Saab. That was really... I mean, in what season does your car collecting start? I, I got there... What's collecting? How many? Well, I showed up in season seven, and you immediately zeroed in on my horrible 74 and said, right car, wrong example, <laughs> and told me to buy another one. Do you remember that? On my first day, no. like, you're my boss, and you said, buy another car, and I went, I was so confused by the directive. Is he serious? He goes, no, he just likes car. I know, but he said, buy. Um, and, I, and then you had those two matching mice and blue speedsters right. at some point. And then the RS, the Tangerine RS was another one. Yep. Uh, that's, the, that's the beginning of this, right? And then yes. You had the, the, you the Tangerine had- RS is, is what twerked my brain, and I realized there was gold in these older cars that people... I, I didn't even think about people. I just thought, oh, my God, there are experiences in these older cars that are incredible. And that's when I started buying everything before 15 years before everybody realized it. Right. The Hemmings, and it was all Hemmings. It was Hemmings, yeah. Sam Cabiglio. 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 I've been saying that, Chief, for 30 years. And and I saw an ad for a 59 Carrera GT Speedster, $325,000, 8,000 original miles, original paint, original car, four cam engine in pieces, but complete. And Sam went there and put all the pieces into a box, spent an entire day. Then we sent the box to Germany, and Dieter Verster, who built the four cams in the 50s and was still there, put it together for me, and they sent it back. We put the engine in. I still have that car. Can you imagine? And that is, that's really the best speedster around. I mean, an original paint GT 59. When When is the last time you drove that? uh, Last summer. I had it in Long Island last summer. We took the Tangerine. He said, come on. It was lunch. Let's go ride in this car. We took the Tangerine 73 up Laurel Canyon and then on to the uh, 101 on the on-ramp, and you zoomed up the on-ramp. Can you believe how fast this is? Yeah. And I said, yeah, wow, it's really fast. But in my head, I was going, what does he want with these old cars? Because I'm like at the beginning of this thing. Like, right. All I could think about was a new portion, not old ones. Right. Right. And I thought it was slow. And... You know, I just totally didn't get it at that point. But that's the car, huh? That's the that's that's another one of these. It, it, that it is was a special the car. taproot car. Taproot. That, that was the first tap. time. Double tap. Paul, I was yeah. coming triple home from a triple taproot. <laughs> yeah, for the yeah. the taproot. I was coming the, home from from the show, which was in the valley, and I would drive over cold water and get to sunset. And that was the first time. And I would get to sunset, and I went left to go home. And I was in that car, and I went right. I went, I don't want to go home. Right. And wow. that was the first time I ever did that Zuckerman, with a car. You can never sell this car. It stays, I'm never sell, it stays, it stays here. here. The, day, the day Jerry wants to pack, it goes full circle. Really? Yeah. Well, that day has arrived. <laughs> well, that day is today. Someday, <laughs> Someday I will ask you for a favor. And that day is today. <laughs> that day is today. I remember when we did that line together. That was funny. Wow, this is good. I've learned a lot, Jerry. Um, you want to keep going? I love it. All right. There's no limit. We have no time limit here. We've done an hour. Take a look. We're an hour and a minute. We still have a little interview we have to get through from our friend Vivian. Um, 
Vivian, to, let's bring her out right now. Uh, Taking fun of a 16-year-old. What's the car? She's an amazing builder and a welder. She's an amazing. She'll oh. be. She'll probably be there tomorrow. She's okay. really impressive. Uh, uh, member of our she's car community. Got the name. That's like a brand. She is. She's a model. She's. Uh, oh. She uh, has built her uh, Miata into a race car wow. with a cage. She's got a bunch of other builder friends who all defy stereotypes. I met uh, another one of her friends who had a, a purple Ford Fusion. I probably have that wrong. Um, and uh, had built most of the engine herself. Wow. Teenager. What a great kid. Yeah. It, they, it, they, they're all from Ojai. They're all a bunch of really cool builders. Um, what is the car that reminds you most of your childhood? This was for all of us. Of your childhood. Well, your parents' cars, but... Yeah, Country Squires. That wasn't... And... Paul, what was the first car you got in and you knew that it was right <laughs> and that this is a, a, a path you want to go down in life? Well, there were two, there's two things. Not the cars that were mistakes. No, the no. one that was right. Is when I was a kid that made my mind go, or the first car that I got that was right. The first car that I got that was really right, I, I started really looking at what Spike was driving, and my friend Steve Levy had, um, he had an early 911. And I met a guy that took a 72T and, and did an RS clone of it. And he did a really great job, and it was in Viper Green. Mm-hmm. And I bought that car. The Remember green when, gremlin. I showed, yeah. when I showed up, we called it the, the Green Goblin. And mm-hmm. that was the first. I had bought a bunch of old American cars, and as usual, they were junk. <laughs> I had a '62 Impala when I and I and I remember driving it for the first time and thinking, what "The fuck's wrong with the transmission? There's only two speeds, right?" And it turns yeah. out that's a power glide, right? I, I, right? I called the guy up. Something's wrong with the transmission. It doesn't shift. And he goes, "That's a that's a two-speed power glide." I go, "Why did I buy this thing? It's garbage." And you drove that goblin like an animal on Doheny Drive, where we lived. Yes. I remember seeing you go up one day and go, that guy is going to kill somebody or kill, kill himself. He would whip around the corner. That first turn on Doheny off of Sunset. Yeah. You drove that thing like a maniac, that car. That was and you know what I said to him? Right car, wrong example. <laughs> well, he did. He did. And then and I passed it along to him. But you know, you know and then you sold it, right? And you got I did sell and it, you bought the tangerine car. I sold you that car. That's right. And, and you start and you go, okay, I'm on to something here. So now I have to go deeper. Right. Like you're talking about. You, you get that first kind of example. You dip your toe in the water and you go, wow, this is really good. This really works. The right. quality is there. It doesn't let you down. Chrome bits don't fall off when you're going down the freeway. Uh, you know, all well, this. You know, remember you remember I had a Corvette, and it was always was it was like driving a buckboard, and there was always something wrong with it. Never worked right. Uh, what about that black uh, uh, Chevy two? Do you still have that? No, I sold that. Uh. And another again, a frustrating car, which is. The experience with with American cars of the sixties, the engine, the three twenty seven engine in that is a ten out of ten, and everything else is between a two and a three out of ten. Uh, right, right. Where I try steering it, try stopping it, right. Try you know, one day the door shuts right, the next day it it doesn't. Right. I, I really the, like this Bruce Meyer thing that we uh, talked about last week, which is buy the car and try it, and then sell it if you don't like it. Yeah. Don't leave yourself Hell wondering for years. Guy horse shit is there. Come on. <laughs> There's the other Jerry. The other other Jerry is back. 
All right, Manita, let's get to a couple more <laughs> questions. Mother Jerry's really funny. Mother Jerry's back. <laughs> uh, Manita, 76. Any good Norm McDonald stories? You know, Norm, of course, passed away oh, last great. week. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you the great Norm McDonald story. Um, go on YouTube and just look at Norm McDonald's. His show was wonderful. You know, I always say the most difficult thing for a comedian is to find something else another container to fit, you know, whatever your gifts may be. And he found it. That show, Norm MacDonald Live, was perfect for him. For him, And actually, it was funny. He, he kind of, he wasn't there to catch the podcast wave, but that's what it was. It was a video podcast. And I think if it had happened later and, and he was maybe a little healthier, um, that thing, because I listen to them now, and they're fantastic. They're so rich and funny and interesting, and it really enabled his crazy lateral thinking that he would do. Um, it was the perfect format for it. So watch uh, that. That I didn't know Norm that much personally. I love the guy, but um, watch Norm McDonald live on YouTube. Yeah. Usually I don't like uh, when someone famous dies and everybody writes their obituary. But in mm -hmm. this case, the amount of great content that Twitter threw up of mm -hmm. his moments with Conan. Yeah. Like you're saying, stuff from the YouTube show, their personal recollections. Yeah. Jed Apatow yeah. had a few funny. I mean, it's just it was really this collective pop culture memorial that we yes. all did through yeah. social media, which was really interesting. I'm still doing it. I watched. Must, I must have watched an hour last night, and I'm going to watch more tonight. Right. And then, you know, I know Howard was talking about Hollywood never really quite knew what to do with him, and, you know, he, he was perhaps limited in that way. But when you look at what Twitter throws up, you see his body of work. All of all of the his work is interviews and stand up and these little pieces of things that become his body of work. Okay, Howard doesn't know anything. <laughs> oh man, come on! <laughs> okay, let it it's go, Jerry. Jerry. Okay. Yeah, the other, he's back. I, I don't sulfur. like this. This is because Howard lives in New York and he's a good friend of mine. Obviously, fabulously successful. He knows nothing about show business. Nothing. 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 That's not because true. Here's, it's not, not Hollywood's job to figure out what to do with you. <laughs> you figure it out. I'm sorry. Their job is to make you money after you figure it out. Well, you have a, a little wind up on the back of Jerry. <laughs> Wait, he's gotta, we're going to wind him up like a... T you know what I'm saying, Paul? Schmuck comics come out from New York or wherever... And they come to L.A. and they think all these genius producers and writers, they're going to put me you. in a vehicle and make me a star. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't does work in anything. You in life exactly. doesn't work that way. <clears throat> right. Make it yourself. Guys waste their whole careers waiting, doing sets at the store, waiting for that genius screenwriter to come in and say, I have the perfect vehicle for you. It, it happens like... One in a zillion times, you know, on a sitcom when a guy gets a part. But, but he's, you know, he's, he has a point because they, you're right about that. And, and people, a talent like you comes in and you, you go, this is how we're doing it. And that's the way it is. And if you, they don't do it that way, you just walk away. Let right? me tell you about a talent like mine. Okay. okay? Yeah. I'm on The Tonight Show. <laughs> okay. For 10 years. Nine. Nine years. Three times a year. I'm on Letterman. Three times a year. Killing. Every single time. 
Not an objectionable looking human being. Says Clearly you. I know how to do something. Not one phone call from one network, producer, writer, anywhere, ever. Not one. NBC, for nine years, I'm on your network. Three times a year with Johnny Carson. He loves, he loves me. No one ever says, hey, maybe we could build a show with this guy. Never. They never. And you're right in their house. Right in the house. Right and, in the house. Okay. and it's George Shapiro. It was George Shapiro your writing manager. a letter to Brandon Tartikoff. Call me a crazy guy. It was a one-sentence letter. Call me a crazy guy. You know this story, Paul? No. He wrote, this is, this is in the Greatest Letters of the 20th Century, uh, this book. Call me a crazy guy. I have a feeling someday Jerry Seinfeld is going to be doing a series on NBC. If you would like to discuss it, please call me at your leisure. This is Brandon Tartikoff. Brandon Tartikoff. George and then they called George and I said, you know what? Why don't you come in and we'll have a talk. Let's have a chat about it. And that's how the show and started. And that's how the show starts. Yeah. But did they say in, in that meeting, that first meeting, well, why don't, we, why don't you have a girlfriend? Why don't you have a situation in this no. situation comedy? No. They gave you you know complete- what they said? I'll tell you what they said. What would you like to do? So even then. They didn't they, know what to do nothing. with you. I always say, you'd, you'd never go into a pizza place where they don't know what dough is. You'd never go to a shoemaker where they don't know what a hammer or a nail is. What leather? You walk into NBC, Paramount, Universal, they have no idea how to do what they do. I hope people listen so then to back, this. <laughs> then back to Norm. Then, then, then Hollywood didn't know what to do with them. Shut up. So you're saying Norm didn't know what to do with Norm. It's always, as Paul can tell you, it is on the person. This is life. Everything's on you. Well, that's this why I'm saying my premise is he was our Andy Kaufman. His life was comedy, and where he went, he created his body of work. He did. He did. Oh, and there you I go. can't say, I don't know. Does anyone here know? Was he unhappy with his level of success? Was he happy with his level of He may have been thrilled. I don't know that. Yeah, he's he very was. happy. Oh, there you go. He wasn't so, a guy who really, I mean, he, he was a gambler, so I think he liked money for that. But other than that, he had no interest in it. You know, I, you know I, I brought him in to do a late night show. I am part right. of that Hollywood that sat him down, I think even before Jimmy Kimmel was on the air, and said, you can be the uh, norm. You can, right. There's Jay, there's Dave, you can be Norm on ABC. Right, yeah. Well, what's the premise, though? They go, well, the premise is you sit behind the desk and you tell jokes <laughs> and you interview. Well, well, is it about sports? <laughs> I don't know. There's no sports. I don't like, it, this is like turn on Jay's show tonight. Yeah, but, but then what do we do after we ask the questions? And he couldn't, and I don't think he was fucking with me. I think he really couldn't wrap his head around the idea it. that Every time he opens his mouth, we all lean in. That right. he's pro- could have been the greatest of the great late night talk show hosts. I really believe that. The way he could take a small story and turn it into five minutes of laughs. The way he could tell jokes, the impressions, that he would have been the best of the best in late night. I don't agree, but... <laughs> you don't agree with the premise that he didn't under, that I he could have been the greatest. You can see him spooling up, or that he didn't understand. Finish, so you can lay that on me, just like that. I can see. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Walk down the alley and bang. <laughs> I don't agree. Anyways, redirect to Paul. He, yeah. he, he, look up if you if you really want to look up. Norm Macdonald live broke back mountain. Okay, when his he talks about 
what am I doing going to see this movie? And why? It, it's so, and it's very dirty. It's dirtier than I can even say on, on, on a podcast. And it's so hilarious. So the essence of why he was so unbelievably funny and talented. He had that, because in that format, he had the freedom Right. To be filthy and right, and okay. That's the greatness not of Norm work. when he's going that way, right? But he he could also do a straight stand-up bit as well as anybody, right? I don't know. Well, we're the gonna... guy, look. The truth is, the guy left behind a tremendous body of work that yeah. is stellar. Yeah. Period. Yeah. His SNL sketches alone, yeah, are yes. the best. And uh, if you haven't seen him. They're on Twitter. Just go there. Just check it out. We're we're out of time. People go to Twitter to see sketches. It's this this guy's uh, death really was celebrated on Twitter more so than anybody (laughs) else's. Usually, usually for a minute, maybe half a day, you'll see somebody's clips go up. This has been nonstop comedy. People, you know, celebrate. You know, and I I have to be honest. I didn't know Norm that well. Uh, You know, I had professional interactions with him. But I was sad that day. I was really emotional about it. And I was telling you, it was just like not having him in the world just felt awful. That's his comedy really did. I really was a fan of his comedy in a very big way. And I, and I don't like thinking that it's not there anymore. Well, maybe I'm twisted. And I'm sure I am. But my first thought was, thank God we had yeah. Norm. And yeah. that he was here and he did all this great stuff and we can still watch it. There you go. It's time to bring out Vivian Topaz. <laughs> Vivian Vance. Vivian, as I mentioned earlier in the show, uh, is a, a teenage car builder from Ojai. Um, she came over and introduced herself to Jay Leno and myself, and we saw uh, the talent of this young lady. Jay invited her on Jay Leno's Garage. She's in the very first episode tonight of Jay Leno's Garage. Their very new, their brand new season, which is uh, starts tonight on CNBC. You're going to see her. I caught up with her last week at the Malibu Cars and coffee and said hello. Vivian, good to see you again. Good to see you too. Um, welcome back to the Malibu Kitchen Cars and Coffee, the non-existent car show here yeah, in Malibu. Not a car How did you hear about it, by the way? Um, that's a good question. A friend of mine had been coming to it. Oh, yeah. Word of mouth, you know. And, and where do you from? Where do you live? I live in Ojai. In, oh, in Ojai. So yeah. you drove all the way down here today to say hello. Always. And it was about a year ago that we met you. Uh, you came up to say hello to Jay Leno and I, and you had this uh, modded out Mazda Miata that you had bought when you were 15 years old. Yep. And done an impressive amount of work to it. Thank you. Uh, give us the top line, uh, work, the work that you've done on it as a 15-year-old girl. So it's currently fully gutted and fully caved with um, monoflex racing coils by Tyne. Um, it's got minor engine modifications like coolant, uh, like reroute systems and better coolant reservoir from Mishimoto. And just a couple cosmetic mods here and there. Got a pretty funny paint job on it. And I'm on some wider wheels. They're reps off of Facebook Marketplace because I'm budget building. Um, but they give me better grip in the canyons. <laughs> so that's what you did. You were talking like that. And then Jay said, I'm putting you on Jay Leto's Garage. I'm yeah. putting you on the TV show. And he goes, it's Mike. You know what you're going to do? You're going you're gonna to put her on your podcast. And I said, all right. I'll put her on the podcast when she's on your show. And that episode of the show is coming up, right? It's coming up. It's on actually today. Um, you will be able to see it on CNBC. Tell tell everybody what you did. You you you. I mean, a pretty big deal. First of all, meeting yeah, Jay Leno. Yeah, that's crazy. He invites you on the show. 
What did you guys uh, shoot? What's the segment? So he met me in my favorite canyon road, which I'm going to keep the name private because I don't want it to get burnt out like some of the other Malibu canyons. And um, he brought his crew down and we parked and talked about our cars. He asked me some questions and then we went for a drive. Wow. Yeah. That must have been uh, an amazing thing. Did he drive your car? He did not. Due to COVID, he couldn't get in my car. Also, my car is a tight squeeze. Um, Most people can't get into it these days. (laughs) Are you saying Jay Leno was too big to get into the car? No. What are you talking about? You know he's going to be here any minute. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Well, he told me when I, you know, he he loves having uh, young builders on. And, um, you know, some of them show up here. I don't know if you met, there's a 16-year-old boy here who comes with his dad that built a Mustang. You know, there's, of course, you with your car. You, are you part of like a small like high school builder community in Ohio? Um, I'm not. I actually take college classes instead of high school classes. So I'm involved in the college T10 Toyota programs and the college welding classes. I'm wow. certain. I'm currently ARC certified, and I'm working on getting my TIG welding certification. And where is this going? Uh, this is all at Ventura College, and I'm doing it honestly just for fun and for a part-time job while I get my college degree. Wow! Amazing, Vivian. Amazing. <laughs> Thank you. I can't believe you just break apart every stereotype about the car community. And uh, you wouldn't know this, but when you go up to these Pebble Beach events and these old man events, they go, we got to figure out a way to get the youth involved. Well, I think they're already involved. Yeah. Here's Vivian. Yeah. I'll, 17 now? Yep, 17 now. And I run a local car page, 805 Miatas, and we have cruises and meets and things like that. And we get I've had over 60 people at some of those cruises out wow. in Ohio, and it's it's an amazing group of people. They're all really welcoming. There you go. And you can follow uh, Vivian on Instagram and uh, watch her tonight on Jay Leno's Garage. Good to see you again, Vivian. Good to see you too, Spike. And that was Vivian Topaz. Isn't she charming? Lovely. Lovely girl. One last comment before well, we one go. One last comment. And just to prove my point... <laughs> Of Rabbi Hollywood Seinfeld. didn't know what to do with Oh, you're, we're still on this. Yeah. Okay. This podcast that we just did. Yes. Without question, one of the greatest episodes in the history of podcasting. And the man who created and owns this show will get not one call, not one text from <laughs> one person saying, hey, you three guys are kind of gold. I was thinking maybe we could do something with this. No, he won't get that call. What do we have time to do, the three of us? <laughs> You're making Nothing, movies. but still, you should get the call. <laughs> I'm helping you. If He's... there was such a thing as a Hollywood... Yeah, you're no, you're right. Someone right? would be saying we need to lay cameras on this. Right, we need to, this. This is bigger. This should be bigger than it is. I don't disagree. I can with make you. some money off of this. That's uh, that's a good uh, business head, show business head. Well, we're hey, lo- I can make some money off of these three schmucks. We are lucky to have uh, this crew: Johnny Lieberman, Matt Farah. The Spikes Car Radio team, and of course, the king of cars and comedy, Jerry Seinfeld, who uh, comes here who and, again and shares, cigar. shares his many personalities <laughs> and his cars. <laughs> and his rent, and I'm going to go to the, the counting room after this. <laughs> <laughs> and his rants about crackers. <laughs> <laughs> and Howard Stern, and Soul, and Soul Cycle, Soul Cycle, 
and all the other comedy we've covered tonight. Um, that's it, you guys. There's a big fat show for you. Stop complaining that they're under an hour. That's a big long one. Thank you to our sponsors, CollectingCars.com, Policy Genius, and Manscaped. And uh, don't forget to watch Vivian on Jay Leno's Garage. Their new season starts tonight. Of course, our, our friend Jay Leno, too. Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening to Spike's Car Radio, brought to you by Hangar 56. Listen to new episodes every Wednesday, and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.